Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and scalies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Striker, Angron, Math Eve. Machine, and Lucky Evie. Today is our 16th episode, and we're discussing 2011's The Ballad of Nessie, so yeah. let's get things started. <laughs> so this was one of, if not the last uh, Disney shorts that they would do with actually fully traditional 2d animation from what i've heard until burrow came along with disney plus but (laughs) we don't really talk about disney plus but anyways yeah exactly this really is such a charming and sweet little short this feels like it it could be it could have been made in 1931 it feels like one of the later half of the silly symphonies when they finally actually managed to give silly symphony stories rather than just have it be Oh, look at these fish doing a soft shoe dance. They're doing overlapping animation. Isn't that mind-blowing? So it also feels a lot like a section in one of the package films. Now, the package films were the films that Disney did in the mid-40s, basically, to keep afloat. It was, you know, a bunch of, you know, short films pretty much strung together. Stuff like, you know, Johnny Appleseed, you know, Ichabod Crane, Mr. Toad, all that sort of stuff. And... This really feels like it could have been a segment of it because it has such a charming, almost like wistful vibe to it. And yeah, the fact that it begins with, of course, the classic, you know, Disney trope, although they haven't done it lately, with the storybook opening is a nice touch. And we get to also meet our narrator, Billy Colony, who is a fantastic actor. Anything he's good in is really oh, good. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 He's he's really of, for uh, sure. Yeah, exactly. He's one of the best parts of Hobbit uh, Battle of the Five Armies. You know, he He completely steals the show there. He's in this uh, great indie movie called, I think uh, it's called What We Did on Our Holiday. And I'm not going to spoil it. It's just a fantastic independent movie. If you haven't seen it, see it. And he he does a really fantastic job as a narrator. He's very warm. He's very, has a very soothing voice in this. Wasn't he also Scrooge McDuck? Like the OG Scrooge McDuck? No, that was uh, Alan Young, believe it or not. Aw, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, I also like his. I also really enjoyed his performance in uh, a series of unfortunate events. The movie he and Jim Carrey really did really great in that movie. Oh my and goodness, honestly, that movie was perfect. That's still yes. one of my favorites from childhood. Best wow, reptile room, hands that. down. Change my mind, you can't. But yeah, but, but yeah, we yeah. start off with the short, and basically it starts in the narration, and of course there's a flashback, and. There's the little sight gag that I really love with Nessie's pleosaur design, you know, the one that is, you know, from the surgeon's photograph and even from stuff like uh, other media, like, you know, uh, Freddy as an FR as an FRO7 mm-hmm. and basically some of the other uh, Loch Ness monster related material we're going to talk about later in the future. This is a nice twist on that because that turns out to be her tail and she has more of a uh, almost reluctant dragon type of design. More yeah. streamlined, you know, thinner version, but it still definitely feels kind of like one of the uh, old designs, basically. Yeah. And she is absolutely adorable. She's definitely one of the, uh, you know, cutest interpretations of, like, a dragoness ever. One of my favorites. Definitely, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything from, like, the, the hair, the little snout, which 
would look probably weird on other dragonesses, but for this design and for the art style they went for, it yeah. really, really does work. You it's know, definitely a sea her... Yeah, it's definitely like a sea-based dragon look that definitely like you know it honestly reminds me of like two things honestly. First, like seahorses, like the sea dragon and whatnot, and also the uh, that turtle with the weird snout. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. But yeah, like I say, uh, she really just looks adorable. They even gave her like you know rosy cheeks to really, really sell that image, and it works perfectly. And one fun thing, of course, is you know with uh, the narration that it it really uh, serves to humanize her and a character in a short that's only really six minutes long. She is more fleshed out than a lot of protagonists in a lot of other movies that I've seen, you know. And it yeah. really showcases how well done, I think, like the Disney shorts department were doing things, even as far back as, you know, I cannot believe this, 12 years ago already, but mm. time flies. But yeah, uh, her relationship, of course, to her little rubber duck is very cute. and it, it ha- She has an innocence to her. I think that's one of the reasons why she's one of the more popular dragonesses and really one of the more popular, I think, Disney short characters, I feel. You know, I feel like she's up there with, like, the... Uh, Basically, trying to think about the Disney short case, like the Three Little Pigs, like, you know, something like that, because of her innocence, because of the way her characterization is done. And the part when basically the, uh, you know, Nessie being confronted with the car and the mini golf building, it really also showcases how they do, or at least did back then, the, such amazing character animation. The oh, absolutely. various reactions she has to, you know, basically her home being taken from her is just. It, it is such a well-done sequence, and I know I've been repeating myself with that, but it, it is true. This yeah. looks it's, incredible. Yeah. This move, this short absolutely looks incredible. This it nailed feels, it. Yeah, th- this really does, like I say, feel like something like the OG Disney would have done, you know? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very much surprising because, like, it's very much interesting because, like, yeah, again, she goes through a lot of, like, struggles. Like, even more so than even, like, Secret of Nim, dare I say. But Actually, yeah. But surprisingly, she is very... But surprisingly, it doesn't... Uh, she does not detract from anything at all. No, and no. I'll, exactly, and it's exactly. very interesting because, like... Because ne- this honestly, like, it ties into something that's surprisingly odd... This surprisingly feels like a. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, this surprisingly feels like a Pixar short. Not necess- not just a Disney short, but like a Pixar short. And yeah, that, it had that kind of too, that in it. it has it has that vibe as well. I was thinking more like I say along the lines yeah. of Silly Symphony, like the package films. But I could definitely see some Pixar el- elements in there as well. Yeah, I also. Uh, yeah. Also, interesting that that comes up actually because I remember hearing that uh, I was gonna say, oh yeah, that apparently Nessie was like one of the creatures that was banned from the realm of monsters. Oh, we'll get Inc. to that. We will get to that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about Nessie's other appearances, including one that raises a lot of interesting interpretations for the short and its backstory. But yeah, for now, like I say, I love the little details. Like the hills are like plaid, and all the backgrounds have like uh, patterns woven into it. It really gives it a uh, storybook vibe to it. And it also reminds me a lot of 
don't know if you've heard of her. The Art of um, Mary Blair. She worked a lot on, like, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. She designed all the animatronics for It's a Small World and uh, such. This definitely I can definitely see that. Things. Yeah, I can definitely oh, yeah. see yeah. that. The, the, it definitely shines through here. Like, her face, her design. It, it just overall feels that way. Uh, it just had the, it had the sort of heart that uh, Disney completely lacks these days. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. They they could definitely learn from uh, this short in terms of not to say in terms of really the heart is, almost. Yeah, not to say all the heart is gone, but no, yeah, no, it's but definitely it's become definitely more evident with like since, things like Strange World and whatnot. Yeah, and that's yeah, a little stuff like that. And like, of course, the remakes definitely do not help. But anyway, getting back to this, I, I really yeah. like you know once she leaves, basically uh, what once was her home, but now it's the giant uh, mini golf course, and I. Her yeah. giving, have her, sorry, tongue twister there. Her uh, tam shanton and her uh, tartan scarf, it actually almost completes her design. It gives her a almost kind of human element that actually really works well for the character. Yeah. I wouldn't really, be surprised if she case, showed up in like a cartoon saloon production. <laughs> oh my exactly, goodness. Yes. Exactly. That would have been amazing. That they definitely could do a lot with this because just the backstory behind her alone could almost be. Like a spinoff or like a feature film, and sadly, we have gotten like only really cameos of Nessie and other things. Disney has never thought to do anything with her, and it's a shame because she has a lot of potential for like a, a spinoff series or like even like a even a movie, basically. Because it just goes to show the character is so well done that you feel like you really want to see more out of something from like a six minute short. Is more compelling, is more gripping than something like, uh, like Angra said, something like Strange World. This is yeah. way more compelling, way more better animated. It is basically superior to what Disney is producing now as feature length films at this okay. point. Slight defense in the modern day. I actually enjoyed Burrow. Burrow is another one of those shorts that definitely had a lot of heart, had a lot of like passion put into it. I will. I, and I will say that despite it being on, like, Disney+, Plus, it is very much uh, worth your time if you plan on, like, uh, taking a look at stuff and you don't know what looks interesting. That particular short is definitely uh, worth your time. That, but, yeah, I will admit that uh, a few other things, however, a good majority of them have not been, you know, as passionate as The Ballad of Nessie or Burrow, because... Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Then again, though, we also have uh, the Blue Umbrella, which is also very oh, that's nice. That's beautiful. That, that is probably one of the... And uh, my personal favorite, and you know, it's one of my you know, family's favorite, is La Luna. That is so beautiful. That is... That's almost tear-jerker worthy, you know? Yeah. That is another fantastic short. And it's from around the same time as this, when you get down to it. Mmm, that but, is yeah, true. Yeah, you know, little montage... Uh. Uh, getting back to the short now. Sorry, we're going on so many You're fine, you're fine. You're, fine. <laughs> you're all good, bud. But yeah, the montage of Nessie trying out very different places to live. Like, you know, for example, she tries to field with sheep. She tries, like, you know, a pig pen and stuff like that. It's very funny, it but it also, you know, it, humanize, it uh, humanizes her and her, like, desperation and her attempts yes, at Yes, it did. Yeah, Exactly, it exactly. You did. really feel how desperate things get when she, like, you know, puts her head in, like, a goldfish bowl and stuff like that. And cute little side note, I believe the goldfish uh, either is or looks almost exactly like Cleo from Pinocchio. 
back when you know Disney had only one version of Pinocchio that was good, rather than you know whatever they have Ew. now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Her facial one, expressions. Exactly. Exactly. Her facial expressions are just so well done, and you really yeah. feel her basically her heartbreak and what she suffers throughout basically the story. And it's a very simplistic story, granted, because but it's one that I feel really does work on so many different levels. That is very much uh, true. Yep. So, yeah, uh, Nessie, basically, uh, she's at her breaking point. She's by, basically, the uh, broken battlements of uh, that uh, castle, and yeah. she loses the last piece of the flower from, basically, her original lake. And that, basically, was the final breaking point for Nessie. She just, you know, completely loses it, and she starts just, basically, weeping. And it is carthotic and also really the emotional centerpiece of the short. Now, the thing that's interesting is there is nobody credited for who voices Nessie. It's not Frank Welker, despite contrary belief, because I looked and I looked and I couldn't find any credit for him on this, and there's no credit really for anybody uh, with the short. So whoever did uh, Nessie's vocals during this part is currently unknown. But yeah, the message of this short is also very similar, and I have to wonder if in some way... Pixar was watching this subconsciously. It very much reminds me of Inside Out, especially with the message. Kind of. Yeah, it does remind me a little bit of that, actually. Yeah, because it basically has, you know, the overall message of, you know, sometimes sadness is something necessary. It's something yeah. that is, you know, needed in our lives to move forward and such. It is basically the same message as Inside Out. So were Pixar really watching this to get an inspiration for that? Or was it something that happened through osmosis? This is something funny Who to knows? think about. Yeah. It's also, yeah, it's honestly a very compelling moral. Like, sometimes bottling up emotions and trying to stick through it despite this, it can, it can sometimes wear you down a bit. Which, honestly, I'm very surprised. I am very very much surprised that the ghost and molly mcgee was able to do something like that because like there's just one episode where molly is trying to like get an artist for like uh the town's band shell like a place where uh that bah, da, 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 what was i gonna say oh right i was going to say that they're trying to get a thing called the band shell uh like back in business so that people could be brought closer together and like the town could be a lot less miserable than it is uh and molly plans things out she like make makes an effort to try and like get this thing and it really work and it really like honestly shows how much uh molly is really trying to like get things uh like uh, more I better. I understand what you're saying. Basically, it's yeah. trying and to also, show with them the same message with emotional. I I understand yeah. completely where you're coming from with that. But unfortunately, it don't work, and she don't get it back. She does not. Uh, she does not get the thing, and it's ultimately. Uh, and it's ultimately, honestly, uh, very human that like the possible happy-go-lucky, annoying character isn't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And especially when it comes that... to that sort of thing. It, it, it again, and honestly, it's a very nice moral to have, even though like uh, the ghost character Scratch pretty much uh, uh, 
uh, comes through in the end. And that's really nice as well. It, it made those two episodes very fun. But yeah, that moment for Molly being like actually like realistic and whatnot. Oh man, that that was something you don't really see that much, other than like exactly, Owl House exactly, and exactly, exactly. And basically, the scene with the tears, and of course with the colony's narration and the uh, way it's done. It definitely reminds me a lot of the beginning of Fantasia, the opening segment to it. I really think that was intentional by the animators just to use like the abstraction like that. It reminds me a lot of basically the opening of Fantasia with the um with like the forest sprites and that and you know spring coming through the through basically the winter and such and whatnot. It really uh showcases again how well done this is that such a simple uh sequence like this is really visually striking. The use of like black and white and the blues, it actually also yeah. really showcases, I think, how the animators basically gave it their all with this. You know, they tried, you know, their hardest with this, and you could tell that it, it came out it came out really, really great. I mean, this is probably one yeah. of the uh probably one of the best uh, of the um, recent Disney shorts, shall we say. Yeah, the atmosphere, the story, the character. Well, characters technically, but just come on, it's Nessie, it's one character. Let's be fair. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's just just all of it. Just oh man, if it was a legit Pixar short, it would definitely be number one and not something like Burrow, sadly. But yeah, but yeah, Yeah. both Burrow and Ballad of Nessie are great, but Ballad of Nessie is just a little better than it. Yeah, honestly, and of course, yeah, the, uh, basically the uh, the over uh, joy and the elation she has after everything she went through that she finally has, you know, a place of her own but yeah. to be herself and basically to be, you know, still out there and having fun and that it really is such a heartwarming ending, especially after everything she went through to get it, basically. Exactly. Like she allegedly got banned. We don't know if that's confirmed or not, but just bear with me on yeah, this that, one. That's she uh, later. lost her home. She got. She kept getting kicked out each time again and again. Oh, man, I felt so sorry for Nessie by the end of that. And you it do. felt you definitely very feel for her. Yeah, and then, like I say, uh, again with the animation, is that uh, basically the part where she's swimming underwater and she's overjoyed, it really shows how fluid her motions are. You you feel like she's alive. You feel like she's you know, completely Absolutely. fleshed out, a completely you know realistic being. In like in like again a six minute short and you know not to repeat myself but it reminds me a lot of like say the ugly duckling silly symphony actually really both of them because Disney actually made it twice it made one in 1931 one in 1939 but it definitely reminds me of one of these story based silly symphonies and that it again something like the flying mouse like the uh, robber kitten or things like that. It really uh, shows that it could tell a story in such a short time and have it be so compelling and have it being really just so heartwarming and really almost perfect. This is really almost a perfect short in almost every way. And it really is amazing that Disney managed to pull it off, especially in 2011, a time when they were sadly starting to drift more and more away from 2D, something that they've done more and more and more. To the point where they had to get outside animators to do the animated part of Mary Poppins Returns, which, I mean, mm. that is just pathetic. I'm sorry. I mean, if you're Disney and you can't keep like a couple of 2D animators on the pre- on the payroll, what are you doing? You know, 
Mm-hmm. I, honestly, though, Mary Poppins Returns is on, honestly gets a lot more flack than it really deserves. No, it's a fun movie. I'm not saying it's not bad. Animation I'm just saying scene the fact for that certain is certainly one of the best. Sue me. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that it's a shame that Disney themselves had to contract outside animators to do that sequence, whereas just 20 mm. years earlier they would have done all that stuff in house. Yeah, that's really a shame. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I miss like when companies actually uh, rolled up their sleeves and did and the cared freaking... about like two D and stuff like that. It seems to be definitely a tragically lost art in the West anyway. You know, anime yeah. and you know Japan is anime, a whole different kettle yeah. of fish there. I mean, n- anywhere. Uh, I mean, you get Japan, but you also get like rare little tidbits on YouTube. Otherwise. Yeah, 2D for the most part feels like it's slowly becoming something that's and it's forgotten. a shame. It which, really honestly, really is stu- which, to be fair, stuff like freaking uh, Star Wars Visions has definitely kept it alive, and other shows on Disney Channel are certainly doing their best. Also, Bluey, but mm-hmm. yeah, it it's a real shame. Uh, 2D Bluey isn't even made by Disney though; uh, it's just distributed. Yeah, it's yeah. distributed by Disney. And ABC, which is also working with Disney, but anyways, yeah, yeah, really, yeah, I yeah. yeah. So yeah, like, this, I missed uh, the effort put in. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah, this was a uh, Disney movie set in Scotland, and this was a ri- probably would have, and this predated Brave by a year. And Brave <laughs> probably would have been better if Nessie showed up in it, but a lack and alas, we did not get that. Unfortunately, so this shit was. Yeah, it also probably would have made a better companion piece with Brave than what it actually was released with which is 2011's Winnie the Pooh movie. Now, that's a really sweet movie, a really nice movie, and, you know, it definitely has its moments. And this short, I can definitely see it tying in with, like, the younger audience of Winnie the Pooh. There was one little issue. Nobody went to see the 2011 Winnie the Pooh. I went to see Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, no, I'm saying the majority of audiences did not because Disney, Mm. in their infinite wisdom decided to put it up against, at the box office, same day, the last Harry Potter movie. Harry <laughs> Potter and the Deathly Hallows oh, Part no. 2. So, yeah, yeah, it, it had no chance. They like it, they practically might no as well throw it to the wolves. I mean, it had no chance of you know breaking even even with uh, that kind of competition. And it's a shame because it, it really is a cute movie. And I have heard theories on the internet now I'm, I'm not the one putting this forward i've just you know read this on you know like reddit and some other websites that disney may have intentionally done this as an excuse to try and step away from 2d animation because if you notice princess and the frog was something they tried really hard with they put all their heart and effort yeah and it got beat by avatar which granted everybody got beat by avatar <laughs> but it got beat up by the family market why of all movies i'm not making this up Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwall, which that is pathetic. That is absolutely that. That is like what? What is wrong with audiences when stupid CGI rapping, you know, rodents outbeat, you know, a genuinely heartfelt, you know, extremely well done Disney musical? So yeah, I feel like and what freaking Louie in it? By yeah, Lord, they robbed Disney's heart wasn't really in 2D anymore, especially after something like that. That was meant to be like their big comeback to 2D, big comeback to like lavish anime musicals, which granted they still do with like, you know, Frozen and Tangle, but it's different compared to like, say, the Disney Renaissance. 
know, there is a difference between something like, you know, Frozen and something like Beauty and the Beast. Or and that's Tangled, that, if you want to get technical. And that too, that too, yeah. But uh, this would not be the end of Nessie, despite the uh, sad uh, box office failure of Winning the Pooh 2011. Oh. She would go on to make appearances in other media. She appeared in a Christmas short called Prep and Landing various times as like a plush toy. Mm. Kind of like uh, in a Christmas story, how Ralphie wanted the uh, Red Ryder BB gun with you know the stock and the thing that tells the time. Oh, basically, this oh, kid... oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that movie. It's so funny. But yeah, uh, basically, the Nessie plush is basically the equivalent of the Red Rider BB gun in that uh, short. I they want had it. A, uh, oh, wow. They had a Disney vinylation that basically was like a, a Disney version of a Funko Pop, except it looked a little bit like Mickey Mouse. And they have a version of that with Nessie, which looks really cute. Yeah, it's a cute little thing. She appeared in uh, Olaf's Frozen Adventure as a carved figurine, and Frozen would be way better if we just replaced Olaf with Nessie because <laughs> Olaf's Frozen Adventure is actually yeah, very tedious. It's a very very tedious uh, Christmas time short. Yeah, I'll bet. But yeah, her biggest cameo and the one that we alluded to earlier was one that she appeared at in Monsters at Work, which is a Monsters, Inc. TV spinoff, which uh, I've seen clips of, and it seems... It seems like it animation. could work, the concept. The animation the flow Pixar's feels. doing it, yeah. And yeah. it does seem like it could definitely work. It's just something holding it back to me. I don't know. I love how, you know, they had Mike Wazowski as a rival, and their big thought for what, you know, Mike Wazowski's rival should look like is... Let's just take Mike, but make him blue. Like, th that's real creative right there. Yeah, really. Does but he yeah, have uh, the one eye, though? Exactly, yeah. So yeah, the part of the show when Nessie shows up is the most relevant part is Roz is reading the newspaper, and, you know, she reads the tabloids, and one of them basically has, you know, exclusive interview with Nessie, Nessie's secret unlocked. And, you know, it has a photograph of her, and it's a still shot, it's a screen from this short. Which exactly. is very interesting because that brings up a lot of implications about the this short and the relationship to the world of Monsters, Inc. Because, don't forget, Nessie was mentioned by Mike Wazowski in the uh, original Monsters, Inc. You know, I can't mm. believe we're just waltzing up to the factory. Sully, you know, we're going to be banished for this. Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Abominable Snowman. They all have one thing in common. Banishment. We could be next. And that is my terrible Mike Wazowski impression. Thank yeah. you very much for that. Dude, yeah, probably none of us here Phoenix. would. Uh... <laughs> exactly, exactly. That, that, yeah, no, I am not a good impressionist, at least with Mike Wazowski, even though I yeah, find him. Yeah, same. Yeah, this oh, short, it makes sure. it, this backstory, it actually makes it even sadder. If she was yeah. like, you know, banished from Monstrable, she was banished from one home, her temporary home was completely destroyed, and then she had to basically wander this world that she had no real you know ties to to try and find a place to live it is really really tragic and i don't know if disney meant that just as like a quick gag or something but it is a kind of thing that raises a lot of implications about the world that uh basically the world of this short and compare that to the world of monsters incorporated which is something i never thought would have happened until last year when uh that screenshot leaked out mm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there was one uh, missed opportunity, I feel, for Nessie to, that she didn't have a cameo in. And 
this would have been absolutely perfect. You could have put her in this in some capacity, and she would have fit absolutely perfectly. She did not appear in the new DuckTales. Yeah, that was a waste. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair, somewhere. we did it's like kill. So, it's obvious. It's so obvious. You have Scrooge McDuck, and you know he, he's you know the most Disney character most associated with Scotland. You have Nessie. It's like it's so easy. It's like you know one to one. It's like how do you not take that opportunity? You I mean, do, I like Nessie's probably, is this rubber okay. duck named McQuack. That too. That too. You know McQuack McDuck. You, you could you can make a direct line to that. You could. You very well could. So honestly, I'd argue like what they were going for with the DuckTales reboot, I don't 100% think Nessie would have worked if she was in there. It could have, but honestly, don't know. Ah, yes, because Nessie would have been far too silly compared to characters like the Headless Horse statue. And, you know, the Kelpies that basically were literally Pinkie Pie and and Twilight Sparkle to the point where they had the same voice actresses and they even looked like them. They're just wearing, you know, technically Fluttershy and Twilight Sparkle, but yeah. True, yeah. But yeah, yeah, overall, this is a very charming and extremely well-made short. And I just, this is one that I highly recommend. And it's available on Disney Plus and it's available on other services as well. And it's something I feel that everyone should check out at least once because it it is probably the closest we are ever going to get to basically the uh, silly symphonies of old. It really mm. does feel like it came from that time period and it was accidentally, you know, brought to the future or something by accident. So, yeah, now it is time for the uh, topic of the week, which is going to be um, favorite um, Disney short films. Now, we could also mention uh, Pixar in this if you want, but I'm probably going to go with uh, Disney for my pick. Now, it's really hard because for me, I don't know whether to define short film as like package film or, you know, Silly Symphony. So I might do like a twofer here. If we have to go with, you know, favorite short films and favorite collection of short films, there's only one winner. It's, you know, my favorite uh, Disney movie. It's actually my favorite animated movie of all time. My favorite piece of animation ever made. And that has to be Fantasia. Fantasia mm. is just next level. It, there is something with that. I don't know. It's like the stars aligned, and you know, the heavens above all came to make this really just absolutely, you know, flawless piece of media. There, there was not one thing wrong with Fantasia, not one thing that needs to be changed. Every part of it works perfectly. The music, you know, the animation, mm. the characterization, even like, you know, the intros with the host at the beginning. Which is one of the reasons why uh, Fantasia 2000, uh, it's okay, but it's not as good. And part of that is the uh, lack of cohesiveness, I feel. Now, it does have good shorts, but the original Fantasia, to me, trying to make a sequel to Fantasia is like trying to make a sequel to the Mona Lisa. I mean, maybe you'll do a good job, but really, would you want to try and uh, top something as perfect as that? Uh Now, if we're going with the. Now, if we're going with Silly Symphony, I'm going to go with one that uh, is a little obscure, especially nowadays. It's uh, The Goddess of Spring. It basically tells the story of uh, Hades and uh, Festivaron. It's the uh, Greek myth. It's interesting. Disney made uh, Hades evil about like uh, 60 years before they would in Disney's Hercules. But regardless, mm. it, it actually is done with kind of a quasi-rotoscope style. 
It definitely, because uh, Silly Symphonies, more than anything, aside from being, you know, very charming, uh, sweet short films, they also were test runs for uh, animation. And mm. this is definitely a test for the uh, rotoscoping of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, because Festivarone is uh, rotoscoped almost entirely throughout. Now, it is a little crude, it is a little primitive, but there's something about it that really does work. And that would actually be my favorite because it tells the story of the uh, Greek myth pretty accurately. I mean, they make Hades more evil, which, granted, they had like a eight-minute uh, time limit. They couldn't just pick them with as much nuance as they would with the myth. And they did a very good job with it. And I do have one runner-up, and it's also another really good one. And it's kind of a, a, a two-for... Actually, maybe a three-for, uh, to, to change my mind a little. It's uh, the... Who Killed Cock Robin, uh, The Tortoise and the Hare, oh, wow. and Toby Tortoise Returns. All three of them really showcase a uh, different side of Disney, a more comical side, because I think what uh, general knowledge now is that ba people basically thought that, you know, Disney did their own thing and every other animation company was doing their own thing. But you had, th because, because you had early on, uh, Warner Brothers was basically just trying to copy Disney. Every single thing that Disney did, Warner was doing. You know, they, their first stars basically were like Foxy and Roxy, who were like direct lock, stock, and barrel Mickey and Minnie knockoffs. I mean, you see a picture of them, they look exactly like Mickey and Minnie Mouse, and mm -hmm. it's almost shameless. So this feels like a Looney Tunes short before Looney Tunes existed. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Max Hare basically is, and I believe Tex Avery even stated this, he definitely is like Bugs Bunny years before Bugs Bunny even existed. And, you know, with mm -hmm. the, the Taurus and the Hare, it definitely showcases, again, a different style of Disney than what most people consider it. Of course, you have a classics like Flower and Trees and that, but I feel like these, this trio really is uh, probably the most fun of the Silly, Symphony, uh, the Silly Symphonies that they ever made. Of course, mm. uh, Who Killed Cock Robin and Toby Toys Returns has uh, Jenny Wren, who is a bird parody of Mae West. Well, apparently Mae West herself found it hilarious and requested an animation cell of her. So, you know, they did a good job there. Mm. And yeah, overall, they're just very, very, uh, very charming shorts. I feel like those uh, four are probably the best silly symphonies. But to be perfectly honest, I feel like almost every silly symphony aside from some of the more controversial ones, so I would say, are definitely worth checking out. Just to, show, mm. just to see the evolution of animation that Disney went from something like uh, the Skeleton Dance, which, granted, absolutely slaps. Skeleton Dance is 100%, you know, is great. Yeah. They went from something like that, though, which is a little bit primitive to what they were making by the end of the Silly Symphony era. It is like the old mill, which is just beautiful. It, it, the Silly Symphonies in general are worth checking out 110%. Anyway, oh, yeah. I think I've rambled long enough, so now I will take it to Engron. What would you have to say? Uh, so, like I said, I have more than one, but the number one will ultimately have to be freaking... Let me think here. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Ballad of Nessie, pretty much. Like, uh, again... I really love Burrow. Burrow is honestly my second favorite and honestly my favorite Pixar short for the most part. But yeah, like Bur Burrow's fun. It's charming. It's got cute little animals. The design feels like also something out of a storybook and whatnot. 
But come on, I feel more sorry for Nessie. Because, like, this this short, again, did so much to really win me over with this. Like, it, it had a really good character, an amazing story, and it just honestly, like, I mean, Fantasia's pretty great, but, like, even for... But even for that, I really enjoy this more than I do uh, freaking uh, a, a lot of other shorts. Though that's not dis- not to discredit uh, the shorts where it matters, because like, yeah, I, I I love I love them a lot. But uh, and Burrow is certainly up there, but it's Ballad of Nan- Nessie hands down. All right, uh, Math Machine. My favorite short and. Uh, Battle of Nessie absolutely reminded me of this, and that's why I really like this short. Oh. Is Lambert the Sheepish Lion? I remember oh, that. Oh, that's line. a good one. That was post Silly Symphony, but yeah, no, that is a classic short. You know, Sterling Holloway is the narrator, I think. Mm. It was just really cute, really sweet, uh, just a, a wonderful little short. I recommend anybody watch it. It's on Disney Plus right now. I've and seen it. I know what you're talking about. Like, sort of a spiritual successor to that for me. I can definitely yeah. see that, especially with the the overall story, and you know that that actually does make a lot of sense. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Striker. Well, growing up, I really didn't see many of the um, the Disney shorts, but if I were to choose one, I think yeah, if I were to choose one, I think it would have to be. Uh, the Ballad of Ichabod Crane, if that was what it was called. Oh, nice. yes, yes. Uh, yeah, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. That the is Legend a of Sleepy classic. Hollow. That, is the, that is the closest I feel Disney has ever come to making a straight horror film, is that, is that short. Watch it every Halloween. It is great. It, it is. Well, a, I mean, other than Return to Oz and Something Wicked This Way yeah, Comes. Yeah, yeah, though, it's, but let's, oh, just, yeah. Let's just say Disney animated canon, let's say. It's the closest it's come to being a horror film. Fair, fair. That is very yeah. fair. Yeah. That's uh, what about you, choice. Evie? No, I, I don't remember watching any. Sorry, okay. what? I don't remember watching any of them. Oh, you haven't seen any of them? Oof. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I definitely recommend checking some of them out. You know, they're they're available on like you know Disney Plus and basically on like a. DVD boxes. You get some for pretty cheap, but yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Even if you're not a big fan of Disney, this is a fan of animation to learn the uh, history of where it all began and basically to see the uh, it, it evolve over time. And it, it really does uh, showcase that these short films are they're timeless. They really are timeless. Yeah, very much so. All right, so now it is time for the patent pending uh, Dragonist scale, where yeah. we rank each and every uh, Dragonist. And today we are ranking Nessie from Ballad of Nessie. I will go first, and I am going to give her, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, I am going to give her a perfect score, 10 out of 10. She is the, uh, I believe, the second Dragonist, actually, actually, no, third, uh, Ludmilla, sorry. She is the third Dragonist, and I'm actually giving a perfect score to and that's because, again, this is the focal point uh, for her, so she's the main focus of the short. Um, the design is perfect. Basically, the uh, characterization is perfect. The you know potential that they didn't do much with her, um, it, it's not enough really to knock out uh, the love for her, basically. 
she gets a perfect score, a 10 out of 10, because she is basically an example of a, you know, sympathetic dragoness, especially with the Loch Ness Monster, something that we don't get enough of, in my opinion. You know, sympathetic dragoness characters, and overall, she's just such a sweetheart, and the design, and basically everything about her, everything about her is almost perfect. There is, like, almost nothing that needed to be changed with her. You know, aesthetic-wise, design-wise, characterization-wise, every single, uh, basically, thing about her is, is, it cannot be improved. She has reached yeah. her final form, to put it another way. Yeah. But yeah, I am gonna have to give her a perfect score. And Ron? Mm. That'd be a tiny bit dickish and, take, and uh, see that 10 out of 10 and go with a 9 out of 10. Because, like, I will, because, like, Again, the short's very much nice, and uh, I very much enjoy it, but, uh, oh, man, yeah, again, it's really, it's kind of short, like, it's a short, I get it, but, yeah, I could have done with a little tiny bit more time, a tiny bit, but, I, again, I will say that the story is very cute, Nessie as a character is amazing, and she works very well with it, I feel very sorry for this chick. Yeah, no, yeah, I understand it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I very much, but yeah, very much. Uh, this is almost perfect, but not exactly. But there's that like tiny one little thing that keeps it from a perfect S rank tier. So I am going to uh, have to say nine out of ten, and I do it out of a one hundred percent place of respect and honor, one hundred percent. All right, math machine. Unfortunately, I gotta go with a nine as well. It, it's just too darn short. If if Disney gave us anything else with her, I would love to give her a ten. But it's there's just not enough. I, I love the animation. I, I love the way that she's stylized. I, I love how cute she and McQuack are. Uh, there's just not enough of it though. It's like it's just six minutes. Exactly, exactly. That's that's kind of the uh, uh, mispotential with her, you know, that I was saying about. She definitely could have had, like, a spinoff or, like, even, like, a sequel short or something. But it feels like Disney as a whole uh, doesn't seem to be into that. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, one day on Disney Plus a new Nessie short will appear and then we'll definitely talk about it on this podcast. And until then, you know, I definitely can see where you're coming from with that, that she does... She's a character with so much potential, and it definitely feels like they didn't give her, you know, enough of that potential. But, yep. yeah, I definitely can understand why. So, uh, Stryker? Uh, honestly, I'm on the fence here. I'm going to give her a 9.5, actually. Wow, okay. I'm going right down the first middle. Time we've had, first time we've actually had half scores on this uh, ranking. Wow. Nothing wrong with that? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nope, yep, that's yeah. a good score. So, uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to give her? Uh, five. I don't like her, but I don't hate her either. Mm. Oh, uh, any Ooh. particular reason? Like, uh, is it like the design or like the uh, snout or yeah, something? It kind of exists to me. Oh, all right, all right. No, no, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, um, I believe we've said everything that we have to say about uh, Ballad of Nessie. If you yep. have any questions, or if you want to rant about Olaf's Frozen Adventure, feel <laughs> free to email us. You can feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com 
or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fiery discourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the uh, 1993 The Pink Panther episode, Muff the Magic Dragon. And until oh, then, boy. take care. <laughs> yep, laters. Adios. Thank you guys so much for listening. You're welcome. Adios.